Welcome to the Survival Guide Podcast, a short series of daily impactful episodes full of ideas and tips on how to thrive in survival mode during the corona crisis. Every weekday, with the help of special guest expert, we'll be exploring different tools to add to your survival toolkit. So strap yourselves in and get ready to be inspired as we show you the way to survival. Hi there, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us here on the Survival Guide podcast. I'm Mark Stabina, former professional rugby player and now leadership consultant with Winning EQ, which means I help individuals and teams create excellence and just achieve better performance in sports, business, and life in general. And I also created the Survival Guide ebook, which is downloadable right now. It's free, so if you haven't got your copy, press pause immediately, go to winningeq.com, get your copy there, or just press the link and get your copy in the episode notes below. And please pass the link on to friends, family, loved ones, work colleagues, anyone that could use a lift right now and some guidance during these uncertain, crazy, stressful times. And I often say that I've created this podcast as a way to take a deeper dive into some of the topics that are discussed in the ebook, and also with the help of a special guest expert. Now, I can barely contain my excitement today, you can probably tell. In the ebook, let me give you some context about our guest today and why we're talking about this topic. So, in my ebook, I talk about the importance of acceptance and being able to accept our situation and the cards that we've been dealt in order to more clearly see the opportunities available to us. So then we can make the most of those opportunities and live life to the fullest, as we often hear people tell us to do. And one of the ways to do that I mention in the book is to contemplate our death. That's right, is to form a better relationship with our mortality in order to be happier right now in the present moment. Now, in the ebook, I give a lot of resources and tips on books to read and podcasts to listen to and also apps to use. And in the book, I talk about one of my favorite apps, We Croak, which is one of the most simplest and effective apps that I have on my phone. And it just simply reminds you five times daily, randomly throughout the day, that you will indeed die sometime. And also gives a little quote as well to further bake your noodle on that, on that concept. And I have the creator of that app with us today, Hansa Bergwall, and I'm like a kid in a toy store. So let's not delay anymore and hear from him. And we'll talk about the app and all things death and life right now. It is with great pleasure and immense excitement that I introduce to you Hansa Bergwall, all the way from the East Coast. All right, Hansa, you here? Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I can't express how grateful I am. Thank you. Thank you. What an introduction. I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> Well, that was just a, a, sh a brief introduction. Let's hear a little bit from you about your background and um, just a kind of a short version of where you've come from and how you came to be and especially how you created this app and why. Yeah, well, the app came directly out of just love of and research of uh, meditation and sort of life philosophy, trying to figure out what mine would be because what I'd been doing in my 20s just really wasn't working anymore. Um, and uh, so I got into meditation. And from there, I got into some 
some Buddhist and some Stoic um, uh, life philosophy, uh, just sort of how to live. And uh, although meditation, yoga, and these things have become very popular in the past, I don't know, 20 years, uh, I kept on coming across this uh, almost universal adage, which is like, think about your death more often. And nobody at all was that I had encountered was really doing it. And then I came across the Bhutanese sort of formulation, which is a Buddhist country in the Himalayas. It says to be a happy person, um, just think about death five times a day. And I love the simplicity of it. And I decided I wanted to try it. And it occurred to me in this age of mobile phones and everything that it's very programmable because uh, it's not actually easy to do on your own. Your mind will resist just naturally to think about death in that way. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, the idea for We Croak, the app that reminds you to, uh, of your own death five times a day was born. And it would have uh, probably stayed just a, a pipe dream uh, on the back burner if uh, Ian Thomas, my co-founder, hadn't rented my extra room on Airbnb uh, he is a coder, and <laughs> and I got to talk to him, talking to him one night and pitched him the idea, and he also wanted it on his phone, and we set about making it together pretty much right away, and uh, you know it just kind of took out off from there. Uh, we just did our fifty millionth reminder, uh, meaning that people using no. the app have uh, gotten those little micro adjustments, saying, "Hey, don't forget, you're gonna die. Open for a quote." Uh, over 15 million times across the planet, which uh, is a strange accomplishment to be super proud of, but there it is. 50 million, yeah, 50 million reminders to people that they're going to die is, uh, I think it's a, a wonderful achievement. Congratulations. I should mention to people that I first came across you and the app by listening to Dan Harris's 10% Happier podcast. It was one of my favorite episodes and just that concept alone that you mentioned of contemplating death uh, and I downloaded the app immediately and it immediately became my favorite. So thank you for that. And I believe at the time you had something like, I don't know, there was in the tens of thousands of downloads of that app. Where are you at the moment? That was a couple oh, of years ago. Yeah, uh, we've had over 100,000 downloads. Wow. And, and considering it's that. an app that only reminds you you're going to die. <laughs> and we've spent zero on marketing still pretty much. Uh, make that a couple hundred dollars now. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's just like, it's mostly word of mouth and people who love it. And, you know, Dan Harris was amazing. And that's the thing about this is we've gotten such a great reception from so many wonderful meditation teachers or people who are deep in all of these people have heard about, you know, death meditation and believe in it and often love it. The only thing we croaked it differently was sort of move it from sort of the deep tracks into the front saying, you can do this first. It's really helpful even if you don't have a deep meditation practice. It's not like some secret of the universe. You already know you're going to die. And it's helpful to do it right away, even if you aren't meditating an hour a day or uh, have mastered some like deep Buddhist sutras or whatever. You can, you can benefit from this now uh, and you can benefit from it wherever you are. Which is a feature of the app. You said the beauty of it, I think, is in its simplicity, right? And you've resisted building it. You see a lot of apps these days, they build out, they try and make more money, get advertising and things like that. But you've kept it so simple. And that's a great way to bring it to the front. I just want to go back to what you said before. When you first came across it and started contemplating it, you mentioned not a lot of people were doing it. And not a lot of people do either. Even just the thought of contemplating death 
scares people. Can I, can we expand on that a little bit? Why do you think that people just aren't contemplating their own death? And if you can explain the benefits of doing so, that'd be great. Yeah. So we avoid it naturally because of fear, uh, basically our, our fear of not existing anymore. And the problem with that is as soon as we don't accept that we can die at any time and we start to live as if like we know we get till we're 80 or 90 or 100 or it's a far off date, um, you know, we start filling our lives with BS because we think we have a lot of time. Uh, and that's not a healthy way to live because we can live for future things that might not come, um, that might not satisfy us. We don't get in touch with our values. We don't stop and say, hey, I could die tonight, you know, um, and if I did, what do I want to be remembered for? Do I, what do I want my last day to be? Is it going to be full of being kind to people, getting some nice self-care in, a workout maybe, doing like cooking something good, or is it going to be stress, anger, resentment, all these sorts of things? And so when you really get honest about what life is, which is uncertainty, you don't know how long you have, you can start paring away at the things that are bullshit to you that you don't value and uh, filling that time with things that you do value. And we all get to answer that question for ourselves of what we care about, what we want to fill our lives doing. You might do something very different with your time than I do. Mm -hmm. But unless we ask that question, or unless we answer that question honestly, that you know, life is uncertain, we don't get that chance. Uh, so when we talk about happiness, it's just, it's, it's like in a math equation. Like how much time are you spending on the projects that give you meaning and on the people that fill your heart and how much are you spending on bullshit? Mm. If you don't ask that question, a lot of your life is going to be bullshit. If you do, you have a fighting chance to start to correct. And that's why you do it. Thank you. Perfectly said. And I just want to touch again on what you said about happiness and defining happiness. I think that is also a hurdle that people trip up on a lot is even just understanding what happiness means to them. And you mentioned values. So when it comes to, and I'm sure people have done it once or twice here and there, they've imagined if they're going to die, we always spout the terms cup ADM, life is short, YOLO, but not really actually diving deep as you suggest and, and living it and imagining it. And so how, how important is, is values and not just, if I die tomorrow, what do I do? Because I know that some people go more to the pleasure side of life. I want to do, I have a list, I want to do this and that, and want to feel good in certain ways. But for true happiness, would you agree that it comes in the values and, and, how, and how we live our life that way? Not just the things we do and the things that give us pleasure. Right. So... Very good point. Happiness is one of those words that we all know what it means. And once we start trying to pin it down, it has a slippery definition that we really have to start breaking it up. So first of all, I do want to say that on a just basic lived basis, it is more pleasurable to live a little bit closer to death as uncomfortable and scary as it might seem at first or in the moment that you're doing the practice. The reason for that is this thing called um, uh, like avoidance coping and stuff like that. It's They've studied it, but basically avoidant behaviors increase anxiety. If your life is racked with anxiety, you know, it'll steal the taste of your food. It'll make the walk you take feel uptight, and like not so good. It'll just make life, you know, turn to ash in your mouth. That's what anxiety does. Avoidance is a direct link to anxiety. The more you avoid what you're afraid of, the more anxious you'll be. Your happiness will 
just how pleasurable it will be in your life will decrease or you'll have to, you know, drink a lot more, do a lot more drugs, whatever, to forget about that stuff. And that will have its own consequences in its life if you go far enough down that road. So just the baseline part of, you know, getting rid of your avoidance um, has a lot of value in and of itself. But then we get to these richer areas of what does, you know, a really happy, a life that means something to you happen, which is also part of happiness. You know, your, your life meaning, your purpose, uh, you know, that deep satisfaction that even when things go wrong, that you know you took your day and you did what you could on things you cared about. Mm. And that's when we get into the, like, the really sublime parts of living, uh, where we get to decide what matters to us and take our time and put it there, see what happens. Um, you know, whether we succeed or we fail, usually we feel proud of ourselves, which is a great feeling. We feel satisfied mm. considering how rampant dissatisfaction is. That's a great feeling. And sometimes we get to see an amazing thing happen, like, you know, a silly app that you, <laughs> you, uh, you made up goes viral and all of a sudden hundreds of thousands of people are using it and finding it meaningful. And, you know, you get to talk to your heroes uh, on your podcast or something about death and these things you care about. And you never know where these roads can take you and how much satisfaction you'll get. Uh, and it doesn't even always matter. The point is, if you identify what you care about and you give it more of your time, uh, the, you'll get more layers of meaning and that will um, go far beyond that simple, like, hey, I feel better being in my body today. Like I had a good workout, you know, the um the serotonin and the endorphins are flowing like that that's a great part of life and that's part of happiness but this meaning thing is where it goes from like baseline like yay to like wow like my life is big and i love it mm. thank you for pointing that out talking about what i heard in that was you said satisfaction i heard i heard the word fulfillment too when i think about that so happiness really adding that fulfillment piece for me anyway, when I think of my definition of happiness, it needs to include that. In fact, you know, Tony Robbins, one of my favorite quotes is, he says that uh, success without fulfillment is the greatest failure. I don't know how much you've, you follow Tony's stuff, but it just really reminds us that when we're searching for those things, if we're going to live life to the fullest, add that fulfillment piece in there and that meaning. And I think helping others and contribution and service is obviously a massive part of that. So back to the app, and you mentioned hundreds of thousands of people using it now. What's some, no doubt people have reached out. It's made a profound difference in their life for the better. What kind of feedback have you been getting from your users about the app? Oh, wow. I mean, so much over the years. Um, everything from you know, I was stressed out at work and the app reminds me to like, that's not such a big deal and to like brush it off a little bit quicker, which is great because that's a tiny micro adjustment you can imagine happening all the time. To like, um, you know, you know, several of my friends just died in the opiate epidemic and I'm grieving and having a hard time, but this app really helps me remember the big things and be strong. And it's like, you know, you never, uh, one thing you have to, realize when you start doing this practice is you know everyone loses everything in time every relationship every role they play in life every bit of wealth they gather everything and uh, we tend to try to keep that truth really far away from us but every day there's a lot of people going through that 
you know, important relationships they've lost, important jobs they've lost in this time, my goodness. Uh, you know, and uh, one thing that uh, happens, unfortunately, is that we tend to ostracize people who are going through a profound grief or loss experience. Like, you know, if we know someone just lost their dream job, you know, we're a little afraid of them. We don't, or feel awkward, we don't invite them to dinner. Uh, they lose their mother or father or their kid and we don't know what to say, we feel awkward, we don't reach out as often. And all of a sudden those people are isolated. And so I've heard from a lot of those people that they're using the app to remember that, you know, they might feel really alone, but they're not alone, that everyone goes through this, that we're all in this together and sort of it can correct a little bit of that, uh, that thing that happens. And, you know, it's cruel and people don't intend it to be, but it's just part of the denial of death. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so I hear a lot from those which are really deep and they make me cry a little bit. Um, and then, you know, just like um, the ones I also really love are the big, like I had a crystallization of my values where I took a chance and it really mattered. Those feel great too. Thank you. And that must be so fulfilling for yourself that you're making that difference in people's lives and wanting to push, to push further with that. Interesting you said about people feeling ostracized. I can totally see that and, and then feeling a sense of other people go through this and to help them cope. But what I also see is the other side of the coin as well. People using it and not feeling like or basically developing more compassion for other people going through that. So where we once might have ostracized because we're scared to talk about death to somebody that's experienced it and we haven't experienced it in the same way, that can better develop that compassion and empathy to be able to support people in a better way to connect to them. Right. That's, that's also, what yeah, I that's definitely the, the hope and the mission and what the ancient texts say that it has that capacity to increase our compassion, um, which is, is the goal and to not be so afraid when someone's going through something totally normal, like loss, uh, because we know we'll be there too, because we know we'll want that, you know, outreach hand when we're there. So Hansa, as we, we're coming to a close, I, we're obviously in the middle of this pandemic and this is why it's so timely having you on the show. We're mentioning loss, we're mentioning stress and anxiety. Uh, and, and I truly believe that this is, you know, this, this app is one way and this practice is one way to help people deal with some of that loss and the stress and anxiety. In your observation, what have been like the some encouraging and, and obviously discouraging aspects of, of this pandemic. All right. So, I mean, the app is all about embracing uncertainty mm -hmm. and living that way. Uh, you know, one discouraging thing is I was totally not ready for this new reality of, you know, living in New York and not being able to hardly like ride the subway or going into any businesses. Like it's hard. Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't something I imagined, although I should have, and, uh, I've had to adjust like everyone else to the new reality. And, uh, I guess the encouraging thing is the same thing is, you know, we did know this life is uncertain. We can live with this. People have figured out ways to live with this for thousands of years. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, one thing I've been thinking about a lot in my own mind is like that phrase, like when things go back to normal. And just learning to say like, okay, fuck normal. You know, this universe never promised me some happy equilibrium of public health or economy uh, or climate, like equilibrium. Like th things do change. Things do 
uh, get harder sometimes. And I don't know how long this will last or what the new normal will look like in any of these areas. And what I have to do, my mission is to do the best I can with what I have today with the circumstances as they are. You know, that like my life can start again when it returns to whatever I'm accustomed to is a trap because I have no idea where things are headed in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so that's beautiful. You're, you're a meditation teacher and I know that you practice, well, I think you meditate an hour to two hours a day. Do you, I'm assuming that's still the case. Do you, um, do you believe that, that, that you've been able to arrive to those kind of conclusions and that acceptance of the situation, just your overall philosophy? Is that years of practice, has that enabled you to just be able to adapt? You said you've had to adapt to some of the normal routine changes of life as everybody else is. But it sounds like to me that you're through years of conditioning and these kind of practices that you're easily and, and more quickly able to arrive at that adaptation and that acceptance. Would you agree with that? One thing I will say about this pandemic is it's really shown me the power of habits. Mm. You know, when we go out to a class or out in the world, there's a lot of things that through the expertise or professionalism of others, we can sort of get there. But then when we're stuck at home so much, you know, we really fall back on what we've mastered ourselves. So what are the things I'm doing? Like I'm baking sourdough bread every other day because I was pretty good at baking. Great habit, fun. You know, I'm doing my yoga and meditation because, you know, a few years ago I did my, you know, a teacher training. I've put a lot of time into there. I feel really comfortable in those places. So, you know, those habits have even deepened even more. I really struggle working out because, you know, I've been going to CrossFit gyms or trying to and like always like, you know, leaned on the expertise of other people and I just never mastered it myself. So getting myself to do, you know, the daily number of push-ups I say I'll do is like almost impossible. So, uh, you know, that's, that's one thing I've, I've really learned is like really first pat myself on the back for any good habit I've created and lean on it as much as I can right now. And to, uh, you know, create good habits. This is, you know, the shows that uh, we might need them one day and they're powerful. Maybe you should create a push-up reminder app. I don't know. I'm just just saying that could be. <laughs> Speaking of which, do you have any plans for more apps? Uh, I'm I, I'm guessing We Croak is perfect as it is. You're not going to change that in any way. What other projects do you have cooking? Well, we are doing. We have done some little updates to We Croak. Um, there is a Leap function, which is a monthly membership, mm-hmm. which has currently these weekly challenges. So just some things that we do together to just go a little bit deeper. One of the feedbacks that we got over and over again is like, um, you know, some people love We Crock Always, but a lot of people were like, it's great for the first two or three months. And then it's just like, it becomes part of the noise and I forget to really think about it. So these are just exercises, like one a week that you can go a little bit deeper. It sort of unlocks more features as you go along and we're going to do more with it. And if you uh, like what we're doing, believe in it. Uh, the membership uh, kind of cost that goes monthly helps us finally invest more in the app, which had always started as sort of a vocational, like we love this stuff, but we didn't have uh, funding or resources of any kind. It was just two guys uh, basically having a good time. And now that we have 100,000 people on it, <laughs> we feel like we owe it a little bit more. So your support would be really valuable we're trying to build out um build it out a little bit more keeping the simplicity that we love of course we're not going to add advertising or stuff like that 
Um, and good. I'm trying to remember if there was a second part to your question. Uh, me too. <laughs> I just love hearing you explain that you're building out the app. Um, no, well, let me let me ask one more question because I like to uh, wrap up with some tangible takeaways for our audience to come to these and have maximum impact. I mean, you've you've mentioned a number of things that people can apply immediately, and especially when it comes to mindset, meditation. I mean, you're a you're a living, breathing example. Pardon the pun of uh, the the benefits of meditation, which is another area I talk about in the book. But if there were three to five steps and takeaways based on your experience and your knowledge that people can apply right now to help them navigate the change, help them navigate this pandemic. I mean, I'm in California now and they're talking about a lockdown for another two months. Uh, that's, what's, that's what's being talked about right now in the news. So what can you offer people just as steps toward uh, navigating this, this change confidently? Well, let me start this by saying is that this is a grand experiment. Mm. Um, no one in my lifetime that I know at least has gone through this. So we're all sort of experimenting and figuring out how to thrive under these circumstances. Uh, so I can only share what I've been experimenting with and how it's working for me. Please. Uh, one thing I've been thinking about a lot is time honesty, which is sort of my little adaptation of time management, which to me is really kind of top down and sort of gets in the way a lot of shoulds like I should work out I should do this I should uh, spend more time on this work project and then you know a lot of shame around I didn't do it mm -hmm. uh, instead I try to like do a more like uh, stoic style review where just at the end of the day I look and try to be as honest as I can about where I actually spent my time and think about what am I proud of what am I not and then make my amends for tomorrow like how do I correct you know some of where I spent my time put in reminders to um, just sort of gently push myself, see where I am and sort of how I'm uh, taking the opportunities of the day and sort of seeing where I'd like to go. And I find that is just a little bit softer. It lets that sort of bubbling up feeling of like there's something deep within me that wants to come out rather than I know everything that's best for me, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, um, if that, you know, makes sense. Uh, so that's just my little idea around how I'm wrestling with, you know, um, being stuck at home and trying to still make the most of my time here on earth. Uh, another thing I'm thinking a lot about is just like the routines of being at home. Like what are the healthy sort of things I do regularly? Uh, one of them being like, walk the dog, you know, making bread every other day, because that seems to be how long I do it. And just like enjoying that sort of natural rhythms of like, usually New York is so hectic, I'm going all over the place, but there's a really natural way that when we create these little circles that they can take care of us and that people have lived that way for a long time. So whatever those things are for me, I, I try to identify when I'm finding one and like make make sure I make space for whatever that is like these little like like routines are are really healthy and really natural right now uh just because we are all sort of doing that and anything we do over and over again will have a big impact on our life right now because we're all kind of in groundhog day having the same day over and over it feels like yes uh 
And, you know, I think a lot about, uh, you know, in the, there's these old texts that say, you know, in the 40 different kinds of meditation, only two are on, always beneficial. One is the recollection of death and the other is the cultivation of kindness. So, you know, I want to be really honest about what it takes to, you know, start down a path that's, you know, about real self-growth or spirituality or whatever you want to call it. it needs to have a little honesty about, you know, uncertainty and death, and it needs to have some kind of practice of kindness in it. And um, I can't do a lot of the things I could do before, you know, like going out in the world and doing these service projects, or, um, or at least I'm not doing them. Some people, you know, are on the front lines in that way. So uh, one of the things I'm thinking about is just how can I, my kindness sort of practices evolve um, to make ways in which I'm being of service, which I think is, a, it's, uh, it's a really important part of like any life well lived. Like so much is up to us of deciding our values and deciding what we want to do and what routines we want to have and what we care about. But if our lives don't have a little bit of like honesty about death and a little bit of kindness, uh, that's not the recipe for a good life. That's, I feel like I should just do a slow clap right now just uh, to finish that off. Thank you, Hansa. That was that was. I mean, you touched on again. That's that fulfillment piece, right? That the the kindness is so. And, and in fact, you you covered so many topics in this entire interview that I've covered in previous episodes. Uh, kindness and contribution was number one of 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 the first podcast that I had on this. You've talked about the power of habit. I had a neuroscientist talk about that. There's meditation, which I haven't talked about, but you have. I probably don't need to do it now. Uh, so just such a well-rounded view on, on life and the importance of, of, of how to navigate this pandemic. So thank you so much for, for all of that and your account and sharing your experiences. How can we support you? You've already talked about the app, um, but I like to ask, how can we get in touch with you and, and also find you so that we can download the app and we can listen to your podcasts and if we feel like we need to reach out to you and tell you what an amazing human you are how can we do that too yeah so first of all you can download the weekrook app that's the easiest way it's free now uh than used to be and we get almost all of our downloads from people telling their friends so if you like it tell them you want to get a little bit see more and more of it uh we have a podcast uh, which you can subscribe to and wherever you get your podcast is called the we croak podcast and uh, we also have a patreon linked to the podcast uh, where we've talked to everyone from um philosophers to palliative care experts uh doing hospice work wow. to um you know we've had historians uh we have our first rock star coming out in the next week or two. Oh wow um, so that was really exciting and uh, just, you know, uh, the theme of the podcast is uh, all the things we don't talk about enough, starting with death, but not ending there. So we really try to lean into uh, whatever we're afraid to talk about. And um, I love it. We're having a great time. A lot of people have found it. Uh, and finally, like I mentioned before, the leap, if you really love the app, definitely uh, hit that leap subscribe if you can. It's a couple bucks a month. You get a larger database of quotes which if you're using a lot, you'll like because you get uh, more variety and a weekly challenge and hopefully more features coming out soon. So uh, we're definitely uh, 100% um, supported by our passion for it and the passion of our community. We haven't, uh, at least up till this point, taken on funders or money. So 
you know, what you give us is what we have to work with. <laughs> well, don't worry. I'll have all those details for our audience and uh, we'll be pushing people and making sure that, that we're supporting you and, and in doing that, they're supporting themselves. So uh, that's all we have time for. I need to let you go. You've got many more lives to impact and uh, you get to go and change the world over there in New York, even if it's from your apartment. So thank you, Hansa, for your time, for being so accessible and for everything you do in, in the world today. And please keep it up. Thanks again for your time. Thank you, Mark. It was great talking. Likewise. Thanks, Hansa. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, that podcast and interview was every bit as exciting and impactful and valuable as I knew it would be. I'm sure it was for you as well. Make sure that you download We Croak. Make sure that you subscribe. You've got the leap. Everything that Hansa said, it will change your life. Make sure that you do that and we uh, continue to support all the great things that he's doing. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Be well, be safe, and we'll see you in the next episode. All right, Hansa Bergel. Great to be here. Thank you. I haven't press record yet. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>